You are listening to Personal Branding Exposed with Megan McNeil. Each episode will explore different areas of personal branding and how you can build, maintain, and leverage off your own personal brand. Here's your host, Megan. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Personal Branding Exposed. This morning, I have Wilson Casado with me. Wilson originates from South America, but now he calls Western Australia home, and that's how I've had the pleasure of meeting him. He runs his own business, Visagio, here in Perth, which is actually a global company. He is a Perth angel, and he's about to start his very own show called Changing the Game. Thanks for joining me, Wilson. How are you? Thank you very much, Megan. So I'm very good. Very, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Now, I want to dive straight into changing the game with you because I'm really intrigued by that. What does changing the game mean and what does it mean to you in particular? I think changing the game is an opportunity to uh, to connect to people and to hear stories uh, that will help us to understand better how diversity and innovation uh, can change the future. That, that's what it is all about. So what's the what's the show going to consist of? What are we going to learn when we're listening to you? So we we will be looking to uh, invite guests uh, that have changed the game in their stories. So they have some sort of uh, stories that show uh, how they change, how they come up, uh, you know, came around, how they come around the diversity and we, we, will, we will hear those stories with the intention to uh, inspire people, for people to uh, perceive that they can learn from that, uh, learn from the good and the bad. Uh, yes, that's pretty much it. Oh, I love that. So we're actually going to hear from people that are, I guess, in the middle of changing the game or maybe at the end of it. And I presume you're talking about men, women, different races, like all kinds of diversity, or is there a specific diversity that you're interested in? Uh, we, we are talking about all kinds of diversities. Uh, it, does, uh, it does make sense for me to make clear that uh, gender diversity is particular, particularly uh, close to my heart because uh, the, way I, the way I connect with the stories of my, my mom, my grandma and the journey. So, Gender diversity is particularly close to my heart, but we, we, we will be looking at all kinds of diversity. Amazing. I love that. Do you want to expand on what you mean by how, why that's close to your heart? Because I, I heard you mention there about your mom and your grandmother. Is there a story behind there that you can share with us? Uh, yeah, sure. What happened is, I, uh, along with my career, I had very... Uh, good experiences. Very, uh, you know, as a, a very fortunate career. I traveled the world. I experienced, uh, you know, growth, uh, success, and at certain point, I was reflecting uh, on how can I, how, how I could uh, draw into what took me there. Maybe to be able to share those experiences with others. And every time that I did that, it came back to my mom and my grandma so they uh, i that's what i remember the traits that i that i that i leverage in my business in my personal life i remember coming from then with you know with the the, the love they always been there they're going above and beyond their own means to be able to give me the opportunity and and i pretty much that's the root of it 
Yeah, that's lovely. If I take you back again, um, perhaps not that far back, but Wilson, 15-year-old Wilson at school. Now, you're you're here in Australia, you're running your own business. I think you've got about 80 employees now, maybe more than that here in Perth. Um, you know, it's a global business. It's fantastic. That's like an amazing achievement. But what was 15-year-old Wilson sitting in the classroom thinking he was going to be when he grew up? Oh, that's a trip. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, we're 15 years old, so it, may, it, it, it brings me back. So it's, it's funny that you said exactly 15 because that's, uh, that's the age of my son. Uh, it, it takes me back to high school. Uh, oh, it was a very confusing time for me. It was a time where school itself wasn't too hard for me. It was pretty privileged that academically... I was uh, well suited in, in, in my life at that point in time. But with my personal life, I was I had difficulties to connect to people. I was shy. Uh, yeah, I was actually struggling, actually you know, learning to deal with, you know, not being able to connect to people. And, and I think my personality, having those strong connections are very key uh that's what brings energy to me and and not having it was struggling through that was pretty hard that's interesting because that seems to be a common theme with a lot of guests that come on this show when um we talk about the their younger self and public speaking like even public speaking in front of a class was a big no-no they just that was not a comfortable place for them at all yet um i know that you speak publicly i know that you um lecture you've um you, you give speeches etc and it's not a problem for you now um but it does seem to be some of the most successful people that i speak to now it's there's a there's like almost like a click where something switches and you have to turn on and you have to do it because no one else is going to speak up for you do you remember when that happened or is it just is it been a gradual practice and a build up and you've got there i do remember one story and i do remember one story so if i if i travel uh, just a few years after that i was i was potentially in 20 one twenty-two sort of thing. So uh, I went to study in a technology university in Brazil, so a very nice university. Uh, they have good bonds with it. But I did have my struggles in that university. So my struggles were not academic struggles, were, were fit struggles sort of thing. I ended up quitting my engineering uh, school in that university in my fourth year. And what I did was I went to another engineering school closer home in Rio. So I was uh, out of Rio. And it was a completely different school. Long story short, I actually find myself there. I found myself there. But the beginning was hard because I got to a, to a university already in the fourth year sort of thing. And I didn't have any connections. And I didn't know anyone. And I... Uh, thanks for making me remind that story so uh there was one day was close to my birthday and and i was with that struggle of you know as my birthday is coming along I'm, I'm traveling you know my life is here but i you know, don't have friends to invite to my to, to my birthday so i just decided to 
I don't know why, but I decided to stand up, go in front of the, the class, ask the people not to leave the class after the, the, the teacher has gone, because, you know, teacher gone, everybody goes. So, and I told the class the story that, uh, that I was new at university, that I have the feeling that everybody, you know, were friends, everybody knew each other, everybody, uh, uh, and, and, and I wasn't happy with that. Oh, man, I'm emotional here. And, uh, <laughs> and so what, what happened was actually uh, the reaction that I, that I had from the people was something extremely amazing. So uh, uh, the support I got from there and the people that came around and, and, and the friendships that you know, we formed, so it was awesome. But even better than that, was my realization that that perception that I had that everybody else were friends and I was out of that club wasn't, wasn't true. So to a good extent, a good part of the people were struggle as well with the lack of connections, right? So they were aiming for someone to reach out. They, they were looking for that same sort of thing. And I think that stroking me that sort of, uh, you know, it's a, I, I think I will stop assuming things from now on and I will reach out and talk and, and have a conversation and ask what I'm, you know, what I need and, and offer help when I can help. So I, I think that was a very key moment that completely changed my, you know, my life. That's a massive lesson to learn very early on and also um, you know there, that takes a lot of courage to be able to stand up in front of classmates to you know because you made yourself extremely vulnerable which I think is something that you know we don't really get comfortable with making ourselves or allowing ourselves to be vulnerable until we're a little bit older and we feel like we can protect ourselves from it so that's massive that you could do that so early on and it's obviously helped you with your career and massive moves in your life because you've come to well australia is not the first foreign country that you've lived and worked in it's the second uh, you were in america beforehand if i'm right and you know you've had challenges that you know a lot of us couldn't fathom because although australia is a new country to me english is still my first language and it's still the first language here there's a lot less cultural change um and you know, the environment's much easier for me. I would, do you mind talking a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced coming to new countries and the language barriers and how you've overcome them? Because hopefully it'll help someone else who's listening that has some barriers and they're, they, again, think that they're maybe the only one that's going through this. I think I'm smiling because uh I heard sometimes, uh, I, heard, I heard in the past that, ah, oh, you know, uh, uh, you, your English is good. So, you know, how you learn it? Because there is a, you know, I think the, the, the phrase your English is good, but now we recognize English your second language. So your, language, your English has lots of problems, but we recognize the second language as, as a second language is, is pretty good. So sometimes I think I was, uh, I, I, I felt I was, uh, uh, you know, not lying, but I, I was tricking people because I remember during this journey of going to other countries. And I, yes, I live in, in, in US, I live in Venezuela, 
uh, you know, the, uh, and Brazil uh, is where I was born before coming to Australia. So there were moments when I actually didn't understand what people were talking about. This was extremely hard. So I had to, I had to somehow uh, make people comfortable in terms of, okay, he's okay, he's, he's, he's understanding, but then I had, you know, I need to go, I need to go back and ask people, oh, oh look, I'll, I'll, I'll mention one specific meeting. So, uh, particularly in Australia, right? So when I arrived in Australia, uh, my job was a job that was uh, particularly uh, related to connect to the uh, to the workforce in the mines. I was a liaison person to communicate and talk with the people in the mines. Uh, the Australian English wasn't easy for me at all, and the Pilbara English was even worse. <laughs> So I, I don't know if all your audience know that, but uh, you know, the Pilbara is the regional area of Western Australia. So we have, you know, strong uh, accents, strong uh, you know, uh, dialects or, or different words. So, and I would call these people to talk with them. And the reality is that I, I wouldn't get I would get 20% of the conversation. So I, I really didn't understand. So somehow I needed to, uh, to, 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 you know, to agree with the person that the person would make a, a, a summary of the conversation, put in an email sent to me so I could later on reconcile and read and, you know, and, and do something about it was so it was, was hard because, uh, you know, I was uncomfortable in well, this person will will see it, will think that I am a fraud, that you know, I'm not understanding what I'm talking about. Uh, that would make me go back home with stronger headaches and and sometimes very sad. Uh, but but a look, but I, I when when I did that, so then my homework was actually to you know to keep study hard and learn the, Anglo, the, the, the language and, and spend hours and hours on radio radio station. I think my goal in the first year in Australia was to be able to get in the car in the way to the job and be able to understand what people talk in the radio. Because in the beginning, I would only know the musics, not, not what they were talking about. Uh, that sort of more colloquial English, you know, as, uh, uh, you know in, in the office, uh, in a formal setting, was easier for me. But uh, the street English was, and I, I couldn't get it. That's an incredible story. And, and it's an incredible story of resilience as well, because so many people would just go, no, can't understand. Or they would just say, right, we only communicate via email. And you you were pushing through making those phone calls and making sure you were speaking to them. And it was great that you were getting them to follow up via email. But a lot of people would have just gone, just do it via email. I've got no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> I, I, kind, I can relate a little bit. But again, English is my first language and it is here as well in Australia. And I remember I had to get some entertainment for a conference gala dinner that I was um, I had to do. And I got a comedian. Now, this was a well-known Australian comedian. And 
apparently he was fantastic. I was sitting in the front row and I didn't laugh once, but everyone around me was bent over double laughing. I just, he was speaking so fast and with a strong Australian accent, I couldn't pick it up. I could not pick a word of it up. And English is my first language. So I can't even imagine how hard that must have been for you, especially with some of those technical terms, you know, liaising with mind sites. That's incredible. Well done. <laughs> I think it's one of the... Uh, very happy moments in my life was when I could uh, understand an Australian stand-up comedian joke. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I love that. Thanks for sharing that story, Wilson. Um, okay, so we're in Australia now. You you were employed when you first came here, but you've now obviously got your own business. Tell us the, the story, the transition. What made you want to go into business over here? How did that all come about? <clears throat> when I when I arrived in Australia, so I got a job with BHP. Uh, I do need to uh, to say that I, I'm I'm extremely grateful to BHP for the opportunity that I had. Uh, so I not only got a job, but uh, we're talking about these challenges with the language in the beginning. Uh, my manager in the beginning uh, of my employment in BHP. Uh, she, she was just fantastic. So, you know, as a fam is very close to my heart. And and she would, miss, she would support me along. And, and, and BHP culture itself is a very people-centered uh, culture. Uh, I actually learned that that was possible in the industry, right? Because the experiences I had before coming to Australia were not like companies are uh, people-centric. Uh, before coming to Australia, is it, uh, when I when I came to venture with Visage, uh, there wasn't a first time that I did that. So I, I you know, I, I ventured before with three other companies that that we start up together. Uh, I think I love that. So uh, you know, as a starting companies from the stretch and having all, you know, having the overall view of what that can become and, 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 and articulating, you know, what, try, what, what, what kind of big problem we're trying to solve, what kind of market we're trying to achieve, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, why are we doing it? What's the purpose of that stuff that we're doing? So I, I, I love that. And after, uh, you know, a few years in BHP, so I think that it started, you know, my, my blood started to boil again and, and it was calling me to, to, to go and venture again. So obviously, uh, large organizations have different dynamics, uh, and and I and I thought it was the right time to do it. Uh, lucky, I guess, is that I I already knew Visage from Brazil. You know, uh, I had the opportunity to work with Visage in a casual job when I was doing my my full time MBA. Uh, I also had an opportunity to actually hire Visage as a client. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I was already very connected to the company, so it's, uh, the company is very unique and was lucky that, you know, the timing where my blood was boiling and, and, and the opportunity for Visage to, to start in Australia in a match, and, and, and that's, that's what we did. And how long ago was that? It's almost 10 years. It will be 10 years in 2021. 
So in those 10 years, um, I presume that, you know, you started up the Australian version or well, the Australian part of Visagio and it was just you to start with that 10 years ago? Yeah, we, we, we call it, you know, we call Visagio only one company. So it's not yep. Visagio Australia, Visagio Brazil, etc. So uh, we have the, the, you know, the Asia Pacific operations here. Yep. And, and the fashion in which we expand internationally is, is like a startup. So it, it was in the very beginning on the ground, um, one main job for myself. Yep. Uh, but obviously uh, the, the knowledge, the IP and all the support that I got from Visagio is, 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 is unique. So I'm very grateful for that. And so that's the same company now that you have over 80 employees here in Perth working over in that in a short time of 10 years. Yeah, we yeah, 10 years and uh, no, you know, will be 10, nine years and, and we have uh, 80, uh, 80 strong crowd. Yes. Fantastic. Well, you're gonna have to have a 10th birthday party soon then. <laughs> we will have. So that brings me over to, um, I mentioned in the introduction that you are part of Perth Angels. Now, for anyone who's not familiar with what an angel is, I'll, I'll get you to maybe explain, but Perth Angel Investors, and you've talked a lot about startups. You've obviously got a passion for that startup, for the buzz of the beginning, and you've got an eye for being able to see opportunities and see where things will, will work out. Talk to us a little bit about Perth Angels, your involvement, and maybe just quickly explain what it is that Perth Angels do. Both uh, angels. So angel angel investing uh, in, in in a simple way is a, is a new way to is is a new is a new portfolio for people interested in investing. So you know you diversify your investments going through angel investing. Normally, uh, in the, that sort of startup area, you have, you know, the founders themselves and the families, the friends actually invest in the beginning. And as the companies grow, uh, traditionally, we had, you know, venture capital groups and private equity groups that would fund those, those business. A uh, few years ago, that now is very mature in, in, in several parts of the world, uh, the angel investor uh, came along as, as an investor, someone that's, you know, keen to put some money in those startup companies, but with an additional uh, aim to help. So normally an angel investor not only have the uh, the capital to invest, but have some wealth in experience in an industry or something like that. So, right. and, and, yeah, the idea is that the idea is that an angel investor will not only bring money, but will become an advisor, will you know, introduce introduce people in the industry to, to the startup and help the founders with some capabilities, that sort of thing. So uh, Buff Angels is the group, you know, is a, is a, is a membership uh, organization, is a group of angel investors here in Perth in Western Australia. The work that I help uh, Buff Angels with is, is in identifying uh, leads, you know, as a we call the deals, you know, deal, we, we find the deals, we find the startups that are seeking for funding and we scream and select them to be able to present to the, to the members so the members can, can then make a decision about investing or not. Okay, that's fantastic. And 
so there'll be every now and then, is it a little bit sh like Shark Tank? I guess some people might be familiar with Shark Tank where the investors come with their ideas and you've got your members deciding, yes, I'll give you money. Yes, I'll give you or no, I'm not interested. Is it that kind of environment? Uh, I, I think the short answer is yes. So obviously the Shark Tank on TV shows has the, you know, the dramatization sort of aspect of it. So real life is not exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, but the pitch nights that we have in Perth Angels are very similar to what you see in Shark Tank. Uh, you know, the, the, the founders come, present their, uh, their business, uh, inform what they're looking for in terms of investment. And the sharks, in this case, the angel investors, will, you know, explore a little bit, ask questions, understand a little bit more and, 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 and deliberate a decision about, you know, going further and getting to know better the business to, to invest or not. What an incredible experience, because you must see, like, I mean, it's an incredible experience for the people looking for the investment as well, obviously, but for the actual angels, some of the the stories you must hear, some of the inventions and the companies and things that people, the ideas that people are trying to bring to life must be amazing. And to be part of that would be really cool as well. I was uh, talking to someone the other day about uh, you know how how many how many companies we look at in in these two years, uh, and so only the ones that came to the pitch already 30, 20, 30 companies. So to get to 20, 30 companies to the pitch, you look at two hundred. Uh, you can you see everything. So what what what, what do you want to hear, Megan? You want an example? So <laughs> yeah, I would love uh, a great example. <laughs> So look, uh, obviously we have uh, you know the success story. So you have uh, you know those those very inspiring founders that come. They practically don't need our help. So they they so good. So we uh, talking about birth based companies. So we have uh, we have some companies in the education sector. Uh, a, well, I'm happy to mention some of them. So, Frog Ponds and 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 DigiSocial and Idea Academy. These are more recent cases of extremely talented uh, female founders that you know, uh, you know, they they venturing against all odds, but they are, uh, you know, the, you see the ingenuity, you see, you know, a uh, bit of the naiveness and and and. We help along, we love it. So there are very nice success cases in the portfolio that we have supported. I can see um, the passion coming from you when you talk about some of those examples, because I mean, they're ticking all of the boxes of things that are important for you. Diversity, innovation, education, like that's, I can tell from conversations we've had previously and from today that those things really are um, crucial to you in your personal business life and your um, extracurricular activities like Perth Angels. Like it really does come full circle with you. And I can I can see that from this conversation we've had today as well. So Some, sometimes I think that's just luck. So. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think we're intentionally looking for any sector and, and and then suddenly we have all these startups in the education sector coming along and say wow that's awesome yeah no I, I don't think it's luck I think 
you you see what you're passionate about so you're identifying these ones because you're you can see a future in them you can see it's something that you're interested in as well it's like when you know you get a new car you think that you're the only one with that car and then you're driving down the street and everyone's got it it's everywhere because you keep noticing it so I, I think you make your own luck and I think you've done that really successfully Wilson Thank you so much for your time. Um, now, I'm just going to mention again, Changing the Game, that's your new show that's coming out and that's coming early 2021. So hopefully we'll be able to see that soon. So if anyone's on LinkedIn, I saw a hashtag floating around. So hashtag Changing the Game, they can keep up to date with your with what's happening there and see the first show when it comes out as well. Is that right? That's exactly right. So thank you very much. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you for helping to promote. So I appreciate that. No, thank you, Wilson. And um, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Megan. Thanks so much for listening to Personal Branding Exposed. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, then please listen to some more, but also share it with your friends and leave a review. I'm a pretty new podcast, so that means quite a lot for me. And I really appreciate your kind words social media if you have any feedback or you just want to just want to chat really send me a message i'm normally found on instagram or linkedin they're where i like to hang out but i do have facebook if that's your thing and also on the website you can get my details there and you can get in touch Thank you so much for getting this far. If you want a little bit more though, these episodes actually go out live every Tuesday at 8pm Western Standard Time here in Western Australia at 8pm, which if you're in Canada or America, that'll be first thing in the morning for you so you can uh, listen over your morning coffee. And if you're in the UK, it'll be over your lunch break. I speak to these amazing people every single Tuesday and they just expose their personal brands to us. They tell us what makes them tick, what motivates them. We hear their stories of where they've come from and where they are now and how they got there. There's loads you can take from this, lots of uh, motivation and inspiration. Like These people are awesome and they really niche down. They know what it is that they're doing, so there's so much to take away from them. I have got this amazing lineup of people coming up, so make sure it's in your diary, 8pm Western Standard Time and the podcast drops every Wednesday. Till next time.